Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse, our podcast. Good evening, good evening, good evening from the realm of this that is the Geek Apocalypse podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse. We are hope you are enjoying the festive edition and wondering why there's not been an episode of this very podcast out for several times. And we are here with my good friend, Mr. Ricky Thamen from Mentally Sounds Radio Show that we do every second and fourth Friday on Spice FM, 98.8 FM. That's a very cheap plug on this festive edition <laughs> is to talk about the fact why I haven't done any podcasts and obviously welcome this is your first time and um, we do a podcast talking about all random stuff that is geekdom and non-geekdom and just stuff that interests and entertains and frustrates the hell out of us um, all kinds of other stuff um, in the realms of fun and hopefully entertaining way we'll let you be the judge uh, but yeah, so the I haven't done a, a podcast in a while, and it, it it felt like this while we did this um, last night on Christmas Eve. And the reason that uh, we I haven't done any is because I had a daughter. Um, well, I didn't have a daughter; my partner did. I, but I was witnessed. I was there at the event, um, and and oh, and obviously at the conception. <laughs> but um, no. Um, the whole situation is that, yes, yeah, so my bo- daughter was born on the 21st of November. It's obviously wonderful and time-consuming and all that other stuff. And that's why I wanted to do an episode with Ricky once things settled down and we got into a routine of looking after uh, Luna, which is my daughter's name. Um, and found myself wanting to just uh, to do a podcast talking about a variety of different things. Obviously, with it being the Christmas holidays, we, 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 we talk about that in some detail. Um, but also just, I hope, which hence why the title of this podcast is what it is called, is to say that um, about mental health in this particular time and being a parent and um, the, the, the rather shocking double standards that I think exist in terms of, you know, I, I very rarely got asked how I'm feeling. It's all about, um, you know, how your partner is doing, which I understand because obviously they went through the process of, you know, of giving birth and being pregnant. Um, but it makes it sound like, you know, she's like a single mom going through this and that I'm just like a potted plant. I can sort of see why, you know, how women sort of feel being objectified and it does feel like that during this process and dealing with my bipolar disorder during this time as well. And so we wanted to have a frank, open discussion like me and Ricky always do on Mentally Sound, which is the show we do, and I hope you check that out. Um, and yeah, and I hope that comes across because, as you know, um, in the Christmas holidays, um, you know, you can feel very lonely and isolated. And we wanted to be just to remind everyone of that you sometimes feel that way and everything's fine and you're happy and content with your life. Or if you're in a bad place, that hopefully hearing people feel that way and um, and not feeling alone uh, by listening to this and hopefully being entertained while you're trying to recover from eating too much cheese. Um, so yeah, so hopefully this is what we do to come across. Um, the next episode of Mentally Sound on the 28th, I'm going to release on here as Geek Apocalypse for like a sort of New Year summary. And my goal in 2019 is to do more episodes because I miss doing this show. But this is our extra special with my, Ricky and myself talking about all things Christmas. Enjoy. Miss you. Mean it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
uh, and obviously really incredibly happy. Um, you know, it is like what a lot of people say stereotypically about being a parent in that it's very it's tiring and time consuming and all that other stuff, but it has unbelievable rewards too. Um, it is very much a kind of um, you know, say so in that sense, which obviously the 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 connotation I'm talking about is that being someone that I am with bipolar disorder, that can be quite challenging um, to to basically have a a, a kind of a, a standard viewpoint, a kind of um, a non-emotional objective view of, of how to deal with things, because obviously when babies are upset, the, their go-to response is to react in an emotional way, which is... I think the reason why um, some people with bipolar disorder make the decision not to go, you know, have a baby because it affects their mental health too much. Um, I'm starting to, without going to the stage of regret, and I'm not doing regret it at all. Um, you know, I, I I do think I can handle it and all that kind of stuff. And I do think the benefit of of me having dealt with bipolar disorder for so long and knowing like my symptoms and how to handle it is is hugely vital. Um, but but yeah, I think that is really the, um, the the hard aspect of it because when you're not feeling particularly in the right frame of mind to handle certain things, like a baby doesn't re- you know obviously understand that and still needs to be looked after and you still need to be there for your partner and all that kind of stuff. So um, I've been feeling like that um, since sort of after the show on Friday. Really, I. I like sort of um, that that night, I really started to struggle, um, you know, um, being up and looking after Luna, and I just felt very, um, very off. And I think it's a really important conversation to have to people is to just to say that it doesn't mean that you should avoid saying that you have bipolar disorder or avoiding, you know, the fact, the honesty of how you feel. Um, and as a as I say, I've mentally sound several times is that I'm really really fortunate. I'm with a partner who is really, really understanding. Um, she's been, like, amazing about it in terms of I tell her honestly about how I feel, which I told her this last night. I've never done that in a relationship before, which shows I'm in the right one um, because I'm just fearful of, like, how to be portrayed and um, whether it's going to be dealt with respectfully or the right way um, because I'm sure, you know, Ricky will, Ricky will, I'm sure, I'm not speaking for you, feel free to say your own uh, thoughts, but... I'm, I'm assuming you're going to understand what I'm about to say is that when you feel really downtrodden, particularly, you know, being responsible for somebody, you know, I mean, we can put our mothers into this, is that you just feel very, like, guilty and you feel like you're letting people down and all this kind of thing. And obviously because I share that, you know, share joint custody, essentially, of, um, not, not that we're apart, I just mean joint responsibility, maybe that's a better phrase. I have joint responsibility to look after my daughter is that whenever I feel like have to take time off or whatever it is that I just feel and I and obviously I care about being there for my partner as well is that just that's the feeling I've had for the weekend that's been really and obviously with it being Christmas and everything else so um, it's hard to keep like an optimistic view because you just your natural symptoms are saying like I can't handle this and um, I just said to Ricky before we went on air that I, we don't think our daughter's very well at the minute either, so we think that might be why you know she's being extra hard work. Um, but I say hard work in an in an objective fashion because you know she's entitled to be hard work if she's not very well. Um, but yeah, it just it, 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 you try and make it not about you. Um, that's what I've been trying really hard with with Haley, and um, I, and you know, and she's been unbelievably kind about that, and I think. 
my advice would be to anybody who has any problems to that nature is you try and make it up to them by giving them breaks in return so even though it's a different disorder and nobody else has it you can still sort of deal with it in a similar principle of that someone's not very well in general which is remarkably how i think mental health should be treated it shouldn't be a case of like you have to have a broken leg to go right you need to stay in bed because you literally can't walk like um i'm not mentally capable of looking after my daughter sometimes and i have to say to my partner look i need to take a break um you know it's so. interesting though um what you said at this what you said at the beginning about yeah. um go ahead mm-hmm. mental health problems and and whether that's whether that's a deciding a fact deciding factor for people when they if they want kids or not yeah. now for me for me, I would say that I mean there's other there's other factors in it as well. Yeah. But uh, mental health does come into the equation as to why I, ha- as of yet, not have not decided to have kids or, or at least you know the, um, entertain the thoughts of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I thought it was just a very um, a very kind of a, a small or, or, or I don't think that many people thought about it that way. But then I don't know if you remember Steve when we interviewed that lady from the OCD um, charity um, going back a few months she, we spoke to her over the phone and she admitted that her OCD is, is so severe that, that she's decided that it's not a good idea to become a mother yeah that was quite a I mean that, that was I mean huge credit for her you know in admitting that because I don't think that would have been an easy thing to admit um, it's not an easy thing for me to admit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that led me on to think, well, is this quite common amongst the mental health fraternity? But you know, because for me, um, when I've when I've expressed these thoughts before, like to family members and friends, they've always said things along the line of, um, well, you know, just just let these thoughts subside because once you once that child is born, all these negativities, negative thoughts, Pad would just disappear, and it will be fine and dandy and Yankee. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's what I think uh, during my time. I think, ah, oh, it's all Yankee Doodle dandy. I'm, I'm, I'm around fairies and uh, fairies and um, you know tinsel, and I'm, it, that's what my life is in my head. And I'm so pleased you said that. I'm obviously being sarcastic because. I'm so pleased you said that because that's actually you've you've hit the crux of why I brought it up in the first place because I think that's absolute nonsense and um that's not being realistic. Um it's not being realistic and it's not being um it's not being true to yourself really because you don't know until you're in that situation and what I'm being brutally honest about is I love my daughter just as much as I love my partner, you know, and, and she's going to be my daughter forever. And that, that that feeling does come to you. And you do have unbelievable bouts of, like, feeling, like, wonderful and go, I have a purpose. You know, I, the one thing it does make you do is feel like you have a purpose in life um, outside of the stuff that you want to do for yourself. Like, you, you're always going to be a dad. You're always going to be a parent. And I, I'm not afraid by that. So the fact that that's happened to me has been nothing but a plus. Um, but the the uh, the the well, I say nothing but a plus. It's not strictly true, and I'm just saying that's a plus to start with. And then the reality of the situation is, is that it does test your patience. And all I'm I'm making the really clear point of, it's hard when you don't have a disorder to be a parent and to deal with all the the emotional baggage that comes with having that level of responsibility. 
all I'm trying to say is, and I think Haley was really sweet to me because I did explain to her my reasoning for why. Like last night, I went to Haley and woke her up and said, "I'm for the first time since Luna's been born, I'm struggling to deal with this." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nothing to do with Luna. It's nothing to do with you. It's just I'm I'm really mentally not in the place right now to provide Luna with what she needs, um, which. I I wouldn't be surprised if any like there'll be probably polarizing views on me say on, on me saying this on here, uh, people listening because there'll be people going well that's awful to say that because you should do whatever it takes to be and and but my honest response which is why Haley's the right clearly the right person to be with is I told her the reason I did that was because I think that's the most responsible thing to do for my daughter to admit that I'm not able to help her right now. Um, and I think that's being responsible and also, um, you know, holding my hands up about a, a disorder that I have. And also, I said to Haley this a couple of days ago when I was starting to feel like this, is that I'm going, I've went from feeling like that all the time to feeling like that some other time. So I don't want to be in a position where I'm beating myself up going, Oh, I'm back to square one because I'm not. Um, and the advantage I have, which I think is what people are saying to you, Ricky, is that you do. If you're with the right person and you have, I think that's the key. Is if you have the yeah, child with the right person, then the, the support and the love that you get can help you overcome them feelings, so it doesn't overwhelm you. Because um, if I felt like that by myself, I think that's the key, is if I was a single dad having to deal with all that, I would need help to do it all the time, constantly, but me and my partner share responsibility. Yeah, and be the, in this situation, yeah. the, team effort, the team effort can go a long way. Yeah. I'll give you another example, yeah. which is very Yes, go ahead, my, yeah, please do. My, my sister-in-law, who uh, to, I've told you before, she's an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. and yeah. she told me that um, one of her um, patients is actually um, a qualified sort of nursery teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, now, she deals, this nursery, nursery teacher, she deals with, you know, toddlers, kids every day. She takes them out to trips and everything. So she she has that responsibility, but she does it really well. It's yeah. obviously a job. Yeah. Now, she recently became a mom mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And all of a sudden... Take her, taking out her own kids, she gets real pent up with anxiety to the point where she can't do it. She can't leave the house. Wow. And that's just a, an interesting sort of juxtaposition uh, yeah. going on there. It just goes to show that you just don't know. And, and and I think you hit the nail on the head as well there, that the people who kind of say these things to you, that, you know, it's going to be fantastic. They're just so naive because they just don't get, you know, what, what, what other people go through and and what can transpire? I mean, you know, it's obviously a huge step. It's a huge uh, responsibility, and it's obviously immensely rewarding. I know that from an uncle, because I, I I absolutely dote over my nephews. You know, I die for them. But but that's not to say that, that there comes a time like what you're experiencing now, where you just you know, you, you, if if you're not right. Then, then how are you going to be in a good position to look after them? If you see my meaning? Yeah, and I mean the thing is, is that. Yeah, exactly. And as I say, I go back to I go back to the point of being responsible for your illness. Um, because I said to Haley before about the earlier today, just thank you for being so understanding. Because I told her 
um, she let me go and like just sort of go in the bedroom and just sort of um, you know regroup basically and try and you know stop stop feeling these thoughts that I'm feeling. Um, and she was unbelievably understanding about it, um, and that helps the process of you being able to get back to okay, I can now look after my daughter and be normal again. And I don't like the word normal, but you know, like as in leveled, leveled, leveled emotions because. You know, with bipolar disorder, you just feel all over the place. Like, I go from being, like, sort of elated and, and happy, to, which is what I feel normally, as in I'm in a happy place right now and in a happy life and whatnot, to feeling just incredibly sad and I'm thinking really irrational things. And so that's where my tools have come in with all the years of therapy and, and dealing with it all, is I can look at things retrospectively and, and, after, and just after it's happened in hindsight and go them feelings are not how I really feel and therefore I can dismiss them out of hand. So like, you know, I did a really stupid thing earlier where I thought that like, um that basically my daughter just my daughter as in my baby who's only one month old doesn't like me. I actually thought that and actually had that feeling and I just was like, that's a really stupid feeling to have because I know it's early days, but I think at some point, if if you do experience that again, then see someone because obviously um, postnatal depression in yes, men. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's not uncommon, common as much these days. So yes. yeah, I'll get, I would explore that route. You know, just yeah, just but I, I don't necessarily think it is that. I um, and I, I know that, that I know why you're saying that. Um, but I I don't think it was necessarily that. I just think it was it was the um. If that was an out of the blue response, then like uh, maybe then I, I I would have probably started to think well maybe it was that, but the fact that I was already having um, bipolar related um, symptoms like which usually last about a week anyway, sort of on mm-hmm. and off is that so I'm only really in the, like you know sort of halfway through uh, uh, on average of how of how long this lasts, so. Um, so I know that I just have to bear with it, really, and just whenever I can take any breaks. It's, it's, and that's what I say is a good comparison. That's why I think it's a fascinating subject matter to talk about, because it's so similar to, you know, giving someone a break who's, like, overtired or, or anything like that. It's the same principle of looking after somebody who you care about. And then basically all I you essentially need to deal with it is I, I just say, look, I'm really needing to have a break right now. I'm struggling and... Um, it, it, and I, I, I've said this so many times that it's just like done like a broken record. But communication in any situation, um, communication with your partner, the people who you're around, to just say, look, things that I'm not, th- I'm not right, and I can't be. Like it's getting over the guilt of that you can't handle responsibility when you feel like that. But that's my point is that's okay because, like I'm saying, you can compare that to a person who is sick who is sick yeah. with, like, vomiting or something and needs to be, like, quarantined. What well, That is essentially why we often say mental health should be treated the same as physical health. Because if you feel like that, where you're not capable of doing things mentally, it's the same as you're physically, like, vomiting and not able to, like, you actually look after yourself. It's the same principle. Yeah. So this idea of feeling guilty about it by saying to your close ones, I really am not able to deal with this. Um, should be treated like fortunately my partner does and that she goes okay like she she says unbelievably kind things stuff like and she you know it, it is a it is a trial and error deal as well we don't always get it right but basically saying something as sweet as what can i do to help you 
mm-hmm. and then the situation could be something as simple as I just need to be left alone and not have any responsibility right now, and that's including like the dogs or anything like that. I just want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's not how I feel, but that was how I've been feeling recently. That I just feel very overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I'm over. Again, it, it's being self-aware enough to realise I'm not overwhelmed about having a child. Mm-hmm. I'm just overwhelmed um, about everything because that's how bipolar works. Um, maybe not everything. Maybe that's a fleeting comment. But you know what I'm. You know what I'm getting at is that I just mean that it might be over something silly. It might be you know you feel a bit weepy for no reason. Um, and then it manifests itself, the depression side, is into stuff that you really are legitimately concerned about or you have legitimate, you know, self, self-worth self issues on, like, you know, yeah, stuff that makes sense in your brain going, so your brain's trying to work out why you feel that way, so your brain starts going, oh, well, I'm a bad dad or something like that, which is complete bollocks. Like, um, you know, I, I know that I'm doing as hot, I'm doing the best that I can and Haley thinks I'm doing a great job, so that's all I care about. Um, and, Lu- and Luna's alright so you know that that's really so So the reason I wanted to talk about this and I think it's a powerful thing to talk about is it doesn't mean that I'm not resp- a responsible parent and it doesn't mean that um, that I'm not doing enough or I'm being irresponsible or I'm being negligent by taking um, uh, you know a little bit of a break here or there is I'm actually doing the responsible thing um, and I'm hoping that that conversation that we're having means anyone listening to this can turn around and go actually um, that's how I want to handle it, and and but I understand though, which is why it's an interesting thing what you said. I can understand because I felt like this for a while. Um, that it is a it is a real you know responsible decision to whether you want to have a child feeling with a mental health issue because again the the added responsibility that you get given it, that 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 gets handed to you is is re- it is overwhelming in general so. Um, finding to deal with that and put it to one side while dealing with your own, you know, your own uh, mental health issues is it is hard work, um, most definitely. But this is the first time I felt like that since she's been born, so I'm just dealing with it responsibly, essentially. So, um, and I do feel have moments of feeling better, and it doesn't mean, and it also it doesn't mean to be clear that I do, I don't just like disappear, <laughs> like I'm still here and I still help as when I can. It's just I just basically can't help all the time, yeah. um, and if I need to go away for a bit, then I go away for a bit, um, and you know just like what by going away I mean just like lie down in a darkened room for a bit or something, um, so yeah, so um, it's an interesting and an objective way I think, um. Because, um, and again, we talked about this on Mentally Found quite a bit, about the difference between how um, uh, the mother is asked how they are compared to how the, the dad is. And um, I find that endlessly interesting because I do think it's a double standard in this country. I don't know what it's like in other areas, like in America or whatnot. But, but here, um, the amount of times that um, Haley gets asked like on the phone, like, so how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you coping with things? And like, as if she's like a single parent who's not with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the very rare that I'm ever asked if I'm alright, um, which I think is a, a, an, an interesting um, a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know they mean it because of the pregnancy, but um, it would be nice, sort of. Again, it's not a mental health thing, is it? It's cause basically for a guy who hasn't given birth, it's a mental issue to ask how they are, and yet we don't deal with it. 
I, I, that's why I'm bringing it up because, I, as I say, I think it's a double standard because um, a guy goes like like what we said on the show. You were saying, weren't you, that postnatal depression can guys can get. So why isn't it treated the same? Um, <coughs> well, it's, um, the guy from the Dad Soul interview we did yeah. uh, about a month ago. I mean, yeah, that, that, we just put that up actually. Thirtieth, it was the thirtieth of November. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so that for your listeners, it's um. I think it's not it's not it's not a unique thing because the I think these groups are prop, starting to prop up um yeah. up and down the country that a sort of peer support group for for dads and new dads in particular who um because in a way it's it's also a social media thing I've I've heard it with 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 mums net and 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 sort of mums support groups because like they always um and and of course you know. Uh, when I suppose you know the the guy's not there, he's off working, and she's left there at home. So things like loneliness sets in, that sort of thing. Obviously, postnatal depression is obviously most common in in women. Also, post postpartum psychosis, which is a more sort of extreme end to to it. Um, so they use like things like support groups and social media. But yeah, for for a while, there was nothing nothing as regards to men. And it just came as a fluke, really, um, as, as I said to you before, that when I was researching and uh, it was just a news item that I'd read and I made a mental note. Somebody had postponed, so I, I took a chance and asked this guy, Dan, and um, yeah, when we talked to him, um, he did confirm that, that members of his groups do um, go through a sort of postnatal depression thing, but but because it's men, yeah. it's taboo and it's like, you know, they're surrounded by friends and family who tell them to man up or, you know, just, just go down the pub and, you know, have a, have a drink and then, you know, it will subside and, <laughs> and then, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, this is a little irresponsible, I find, because it's like kind of avoiding the issue. I guess going to a pub and, you know, drowning your sorrows away. Like, you know, I, um, Haley said that to me not too long ago. It's like, I'm so pleased you're not like that because, um, you know, I don't, I don't resolve my issues by doing that. Um, um, you know, again, I think the responsible thing is to tackle it head on, and, and if it happens, it happens. It's a bit like I was going to say something really, really uh, dumb and silly, but it's a bit like pumping. You know, because like, people who have like problems with with that, and then you're with a newborn who does it all the time, and then you realise <laughs> that like, really, do we really have to be embarrassed by the by something that a newborn does like a million times? And yet, when some adults who go like, you know, pretend that they don't even do it, and I'm like, you know, newborn, like you, when you were a newborn, you did it like a hundred times a day. And like you know, so what is the problem? Um, it, you know, it's gonna smell and as well and all that kind of stuff. So like, what's the big deal? I don't feel to be like, there'll be people listening to this now, legitimately now, Ricky, going like, oh my god, what's why is he talking about that? And I'm going because it's a good point, it's a valid point. Like, why do we care? Why is the people who like think that that's just like a a, a silly thing, a, a, a stupid like what's an an off bounds conversational tool? I'm like, if newborns can do it, then 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 it, then when you, you know. When you said at the beginning as well about um, the obvious rewarding factors um, that come along with parenthood. I mean, me as an uncle, I mean, um, my my mornings are, are are often my most anxious times and. Mm-hmm. And now that I have these two little lads in my life, it gives me an extra incentive and, and it, it does put things in perspective. And that doesn't mean to say that problems disappear that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at times it can get worse because of the responsibility and everything. But, um, yeah, I think just on the point you just made, 
um, all their little attributes, um, it, it puts things in. I think it's their innocence. Yeah. And then why why can't why can't grown ups show show an act of innocence as well? If you see my meaning. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's that. That is like the, the adults. Adults take like simple things in life and make them more complicated. And uh, I think that's my, that's what I'm getting at. Is it just just take it for what it is. Um, you know, and, and it, it, you know, and even newborns do, or, or any, like, small child's regarded as, like, as you said, like, a kind of adorable, innocent type thing, uh, and so we should treat things as such, we, you know, we're the ones who are, who are changing it later in life and saying, oh, that's embarrassing, we can't talk about that, and I'm like, we decide what we talk about, that's what human beings are. You know, there's no, we, we have the ability to think for ourselves and to communicate with each other and to be analytical and, um, you know, yeah. debate about things. And so we should do it. We should use what we've been given. Um, and so, therefore, why, why, uh, why is there certain things that are silly that aren't that aren't able to be talked about? Um, um, that are just ra- that are just natural that are just natural stuff, really. And I'm not just talking about. I just gave an example of a problem. I just mean like anything, really. Anything. Um, you know, it happened. Yeah. Anyway, so um, and yeah, obviously, just because we this is a this is an Xmas edition is just um trying to get used to like sort of um Christmas, the Christmas scene um it being freezing uh, in our in my, in my flat the whole time, uh looking at uh, watching you know annoying television shows some of the time. <laughs> Uh, so it is the season. Well, I, I, I watch when I came back because I did a bit of <laughs> shopping. I didn't mention, by the way, when you asked how I was because I, oh, yeah. I just escaped having an anxiety attack at the the service self service checkout. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. In Tesco because it was absolutely bedlam in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just felt you know, just get your stuff and get out of here because it's. <laughs> I know you tempting fate by having uh, having um, shopping at Christmas Eve. And, but I, I thought I had it all sorted, but then, then I realised, you think, there's always something you forget, and then I realised I've not got enough wrapping paper. So <laughs> it's always, it's always the, the random thing that you forget, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, and then I came home and I watched uh, Escape to Victory. Why is that on always Christmas? It's a football club <laughs> set in Wolfwood. <laughs> Well, it's like Die Hard. Die Hard regarded as a Christmas film just because it took place on Christmas. Yeah. Christmas, so I'm not sure. I, I don't think Escape to Victory took happened over Christmas because it was it just happens to be on like mm-hmm. Pele, Cocaine, Sylvester Stallone. Maybe the the three of them just sort of you know bring well, on. Yeah, well, it is kind of the same films all the time because ITV basically like because they've clearly got the rights to the Harry Potter films, so there's like a million Harry Potter films on. And oh, we did watch a funny thing. I watched. I'll, I'll mention this just to be just because it's silly and uh, it's my one of my guilty pleasure shows. Because me and uh, Haley before we um, started recording this, we sat when we saw the baby out and we were watching a bit of Judge Rundad and it was a Chris. It was a Christmas child edition. So the cho- so um the people doing the cases so Judge Rinder if you're from America it's kind of like the the Judge Judy but um, mm-hmm. in England mm-hmm. and the cases he was doing for the Christmas special were children so it was like a child like a, a child took his brother to the court to say like he broke me n- notebook and pen um like he he ripped he ripped the notebook and like smashed the pen in half or something so he wanted compensation for it so Judge Rinder was doing a case like with two children and trying to rectify it so be you could tell though it was all done in good spirit because whenever they like sort of um resolved the case and found out what happened the person who got like 
it was always like the the kid who brought the person in actually did do something wrong. So how they would rectify it is they would take they would give them like Christmas prizes. So like so not only did they like that guy got a new notebook and pen, but also he got like a, to go to Alton Towers for like a Christmas experience and stuff for coming on the show and stuff. So they just gave away like presents and stuff. So it was all like light light hearted and nice and and all that kind of thing. But it was kind of like it it was it was really camp. I mean like. Um, the the show that gets campier by the minute, um, really, um, it just gets a little. It was a little ridiculous at points, but um, but all in good humour. It was just something nice to watch. Um, it was like it was harmless. I think is the, the oh, right. The right I've not seen that one, but some yeah. of the some of the afternoon shows. That yeah. Two o'clock. Yeah. yeah. It's almost on a par with Jeremy Carlson. Yeah. It does get silly because he just get, it is sort of manipulated to be. Um, to be like um, controversial or something, and he sometimes mentions stuff which I think have nothing to do with the reason that they're at the case. It's just like yeah. to, to create a bit of drama, like um. So yeah, it, it, it yeah, I, I I do like it and I don't like it. I mean, the thing that I do like about it is he sticks it as in like it's a law abiding court, whereas Judge Judy kind of just does an emotional. I think you're lying. Or I'm going to give you the money type thing. Um, where you, whereas he does it like as in a legal requirement because a lot of the time he goes, well, this isn't enforceable in law, so I'm not going to give you anything. Um, even though like morally and ethically, etc., you might have an argument. Um, to to be in like you know sort of uh, wronged in some way, but legally I can't enforce any of this. Um, because it's not in writing, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. So I like that he does that because it's interesting because sometimes he actually like goes into a description of why he makes them decisions. Well, Judge Judy goes like, "I don't like your face," and like, <laughs> and uh, you know, you 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 um, are you know, don't don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Um, you know, it's just it's all these. So sad because when you see, I always feel, I always feel saddened. I'm mean, again, again, you could say the same about Jeremy Kyle, but it's like um. When you see uh, members of the same family take take other take take their siblings or the parents whatever to court, and soften over the most trivial of of things which could be sorted out. I mean, this this is your blood, and yet you know the, it's just ridiculous. But um, yeah, I know I don't like it either. When like um, I, I said this earlier, when like brothers fight or something over something, and you just go and that can be rectified if they just you know um, you know let go of these stupid. Uh, uh, you know, petty squabbles and actually like sat down and sorted out properly. I think you um, like you know the saying, "Money is the root of all evil." Yeah. I mean, I, I try not, I try not to believe that, but when you watch shows like that, it kind of is, and it's sad where you where people are split apart because of that issue. You know. Well, do you agree with the principle then? Because that's a good point. Do you agree with then? Because I, I have a sort of rule that I don't ever borrow, I don't ever lend money to people. Um, the reason for that is because of exactly like you just said. Like any time I've ever seen anyone borrow any money off somebody, um, I, it really it really harms their relationship because if they don't set parameters of when they're going to get that money back, and if it's a lot of money or what they deem as a lot of money, then it starts becoming the next time you see them. Have you got me money? Have you got me money? Have you got your money? And it loses the it loses like the principle of why you're friends with them or why you're going out with them or whatever it is like. Hold on. Um, so but I don't, I don't lend money to anybody. Doesn't he? He always says that I want it down in writing. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't care what you've written it on. Yeah. If it's back, if it's a back, back of a fag packet or receipt, as long as it's there as proof. Well, um, the fa- that's why Facebook's useful because, in the sense of, if you Facebook messaged it and can prove you were the one that sent it, then that they sent it on their phone, which you can trace. Um, 
it's why Facebook and WhatsApp are used now to like kind of um, sort out crimes and stuff because people communicate on them all the time. Um, so that's that's one advantage of why like the sort of social media and that can be good because you can trace what people have done. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that so the so there's I mean there's been some odd good Christmassy stuff, but um, and I have to say though, in all seriousness, to be a little bit more like instead of Ebenezer he screws that I sounded like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I actually like that's the other advantage of being a uh, having a child and being like living with somebody else and having a family is that it's not about me anymore. You know, being by myself and 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 just getting through Christmas, which is what I did last year, um, yeah. and just being with my dog and and all that kind of thing. Is that I'm with my dog and with my partner and with my my daughter and spending time with her family and my family who are still here in the northeast and um yeah. and yeah yeah it's like it, you you enjoy it more because it isn't about you you don't feel like you've you've got any in, in my eyes I don't feel like I've got any missing pieces to be a little bit depressed about because um even even my partner was saying this that like last year even when we were starting to date round about that time and um and then you know she was like oh i would um basically spend christmas day with my family and then go home by myself and i was like she got a chinese <laughs> so like you know like um yeah it, you know i i can't remember exactly when no that was new year's new sorry that was new year's when we were going out but um, the same principle is that you would go home by yourself and just eat a dinner by yourself and all that kind of thing. So, uh-huh. so I'm enjoying Christmas for that reason because it's again, it's not about me and it's not about just sitting there thinking about what could have been type of thing. So, you got enough to get on with. So, I like it for that reason. Well, um, I yeah, I agree. I mean, I was I've told you many a time I think that I was I was a, a very kind of typical Scrooge-like um, figure in the past, but you know what I've learned is that. It, it, not just Christmas, Christmas, but I think any festival, you can make it your own, and you don't have to. You, you know, I, I still cast myself as a non-conformist. That doesn't mean necessarily mean you say you have to reject everything. It's about making it what you can your own. Um, do it how you please. There's no set rules. Um, if you do things your own way, good on you. Because I was also believe in the power of the individual. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a song. <laughs> you can go, you know. Oh no! <laughs> I believe in the power of the individual. <laughs> and, uh, I just like Christmas for the unity that, that yeah. brings. You know, um, you know what's not to like about people getting together. Um, you know, and 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 you can do what the hell you want. You know, mm-hmm. some people will do it for religious reasons. Others will do it just to get together and have a laugh and and uh, learn to learn to love one another again. As 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 I've told you before, there's also deep rifts within my family, and and I'm hoping that this 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 period might might heal some some past wounds. Maybe I'm not holding out too much hope, but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a chance. It's a chance. And let's see I also happens. believe the children are our future. That's why I said it. <laughs> I said, well, I can't remember what the next line is. Um, uh, but yeah, so not, I, I agree. Yeah, the unity thing is is exactly exactly right. And obviously, you're around the people that you want to be around, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, okay, I've, got, I've got two absolutely gorgeous, brilliant nephews now, and I, and I love buying them gifts and just yeah, seeing them on their nice. faces. And I think something we discussed on the last mentally sound, yeah, yeah. We we we're advocates of not wanting to. You shouldn't have to spend loads and loads and loads. And we talked about pressure and debt and the responsibility that people have when when wanting to make their family happy. 
but it doesn't have to be having to spend loads. But I agree that in this modern era, it is difficult to um, not to not to get bombarded and fall in the trap of having to keep them happy because it's peer pressure, isn't it, that you yeah. kids go through to to have the latest things and stuff. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been like that um, in regards to overspending. Is that I, 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 we're not overspending, or um, you know, we're not really spending a great deal to be honest because. Yeah. It's, I even joked with my siblings because this is actually true for the first time, obviously, because with my daughter being born, is that I joked to them like, so this it, this is literally this year going to be buying for kids this year, um, because they used I used to buy for my niece and nephew and not buy for my brother and sister because that was kind of just the rule in our family and now they can actually mm-hmm. like you know adhere to it because I now have a kid so, um so you know I I, I like that because I don't I I mean. Um, I'm 31 now, and I find myself, um, you know, I want to get little bits and things, but then, like, when I've got any extra spare money, like, for example, um, I think you might know this because I bought it on the way home on Friday, is that I was saying, yeah, I went and bought oh, I- a Lister of a bed. Uh, this was my dog for people who are listening for the first time. Um, and yeah, I bought my new bed, which he loves. Um, so I'm, uh, that's made me feel happy because that's something that I bought that, that he needed that makes him feel happier about himself. Because there's another thing, like how I started talking about on this podcast, is uh, it reinforces how wonderful dogs are um, and being a pet owner as well. Because even though. Because dogs, the dogs are definitely getting less and less attention now that Luna, like Luna's here, which is understandable. But we try really hard to give them as much time as possible. Mm-hmm. And whenever you feel down, like when I felt down today, like Lister was following us and basically could tell I was not feeling right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just wonderful. They're just wonderful. Ask um, human beings. Obviously, they're not human beings. Um, they're wonderful um, animals. Animals to be pets with because. Um, the 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 difference to you know in the situation where they're they're wonderful for mental health because no matter what however you feel they give you the same love and support that they always do mm-hmm. <coughs> which is obviously different for having a daughter and a child because the child's responsible like you, the, the child needs constant need from you they they cry because they need something and um, whereas dogs just you know other if you can feed them and walk them every now and again they'll be your best friend forever <laughs> so you know the, so uh, yeah i just wanted to be re- reinforce people who are listening that that's a personal um, question yeah um, go ahead um so you you lost a, a close friend this year was that was that particular friend someone that you saw over christmas i just i was just saying because this would be the first christmas you wouldn't have um yeah, I, I do think about John a lot, yeah. Um, I do miss him greatly. Did you um, guys have to spend Christmases together? Yeah, well? we used to spend... Uh, well, um, I saw him last New Year's, uh, actually, um, yeah. because we used to play board games over the Christmas period because, basically, I'm not a fan of going out. Um, I'm a sort of closet nerd. I prefer being indoors. Um, so, you know, I used to go to his house and play board games, or he came to my house to play board games with my other friends. Um, so yeah, I, I use, uh, this is the thing about um, being comfortable with someone no longer being here, and um, I don't want to be there, because I, mean, I think this has been quite an uplifting kind of um, objective, but trying to come up with being optimistic about um, enjoying the holidays and, and being optimistic about mental health and just being honest about how you feel about things, is I think the, all I was going to say is with grief, and you know, it's, it's still relatively not been that long. Um, but what I find myself doing is going, 
well, it's not been that long, but um, I still think about him. Um, and I don't think about him in a kind of being sad, but I just, like, stuff reminds me of him in a kind of, like, do you think of the good memories, really? Um, and that's hard with mental health, because sometimes you want to go down the path of, you know, it was horrible to see what happened to him because he died of cancer and all that kind of thing. Um, but there's enough around my life to show that he influenced me, and, you know, because he was a lot older than I was, because I met him through board game clubs, so... Um, you know, so he was like, you know, in his sixties, um, uh, but still he died younger than he should because he was healthy. He was a healthy person, but he got cancer. Unfortunately, you guys, you guys could like play board games in spirit to him, like because I guess yeah. if he was looking down, that's what he'd want you, you guys to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that they did like a tribute to him, and he's bought the board game club that I met him at because he yeah. was chairman for them for a long time. He was chairman when I first met him. Um, he actually had to give up being a chairman because he was too ill. Um, mm. So that was obviously like quite hard at the time because I knew that that was something he wouldn't want to do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I yeah I do think about him a lot, and I I actually think about going to see his wife, who I was friends with as well. Um, you know about making up making some time to to do like a Sunday session, which we used to do. Um, so maybe I might see if someone wants to if they want to do that over the Christmas period if I if I'm able to do it because obviously with having mm-hmm. a, a child and everything but um but yes no no I no, um I haven't I I haven't like thought about it in that sense but like I do still think about him so I don't really think about it in terms of season or um, missing yep. him for a particular like uh, period of the year like I just um I miss him because he was the glue for our friendship circle as well uh, quite obviously because. We've been trying to sort of meet up, and I've been trying to sort of even tell them about my child, and it's been difficult to, like, sort of get everyone together, um, mm-hmm. because he was very, like, sort of the, the glue and the catalyst to get people together, because he was very much into games, very much into socialising, mm-hmm. um, and I miss him for that, too, because he was a very optimistic person, um, even when he was going through stuff at the end, so... Um, so, yeah, I would just say in regards to grief, is that um, it, you do, like... Uh, um, tackle it head on um, try and deal with it as it's happening um, and then afterwards reflect, do the morning that you need, um, you know, still get emotional about it because I still do every now and again, I don't feel emotional about it today because I feel optimistic when I think about them but obviously you might feel sad and when you feel sad about people, certain people not being here anymore um, mm. but also it reminds you of why, I, I always think look at it optimistically and go you were grateful for knowing them and um, you know, yeah. think about what they gave to you um, it's not a loss because you know that it, it, it happens unfortunately but um, it, it's looking at it as well, you know, I think about them in a positive sense and I, yeah, as you said, when I play a board game over the Christmas period I'll probably think about them quite a lot yeah. um, uh, so I'll look at it that way um, but yeah, so it, it is it is sad. But then, as I say, I, I think about him enough anyway that I don't sort of like get hit by it and go, oh, I'm thinking about John and I miss him, all that kind of thing, because I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there'll be people listening to this now. Hopefully, he'll get some, um, hopefully some uh, relief out of that by someone admitting that because um, grieving's hard. I mean, we've talked about this on our other show about how my mom. Has never has really struggled since last year. It was last uh, August, by the way. I think you got your things wrong. I'm sure it was the it was the it was last year. Um, he died, not this year, this August. Um, I thought you were wrong when you said that. <laughs> sorry, was yeah, it the year? It's been before? a year and a half. Yeah, it's been a year. And oh, a half. sorry, I thought um, it was um... because he died. Um, he died the same time. He died the same uh, week that my auntie did. If you remember, because oh, my yeah, yeah, had problems. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I was, but anyway, that's a good transition because what I was about to say was that my mum 
um, dealing with her dealing with her grief has been completely different because I don't think she's uh, dealt like looked head, tackled it head on. It's been like the elephant in the room mm-hmm. kind of um, situation which we talk about mentally sound all the time. But um, mm-hmm. but anyway, so yeah, so think about them, but um, you know, it, it, not in a kind of I don't, it, it doesn't need to. Sorry, be in so, a, so going going back on that, what, yeah. what did you guys do something like last? Um, Last New Year's, last yeah, last year. I, they came to my house and we just sat and played. Um, I think it was last year, um, but we've done that before. They came to my house when I was still living at home. Yeah. So it was like a New Year's tradition. So I knew him about five, six years because I went to the board game club for quite a while. Um, Did you so guys yeah. raise a toast to him or something? Or? Sorry? Did you raise a toast to him or something like that? Or like a, raise a glass to him? Or? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we did meet. Uh, we meet, We met afterwards for like a kind of um, gathering with the three of us because there was a group of four that we used to get together and I was one of the four. And we met at one of our houses and we just played a game and it did feel weird. And I said, But again, I think that was the healing process because, you know, it's a bit like, I guess the analogy I'm thinking of is that if you've been in a car crash, supposedly the the right thing to do, the, the best thing to do is to try and get a car back in a car as soon as possible to get over the fear of of crashing again because crashing is part of owning a car. You're going to crash probably at some point in your life. It's it's the law of averages. So when you have a crash, don't get psychologically worn out by the fall, by the fear of getting back into the car. If you get back in enough with it, with adrenaline and everything else, then you'll hopefully get over the fact that you've had an accident because it's the one in a million chance of it happening. Um, it's sort of the, the same principle here is that, um, um, you know, we played a board game because that's how we mostly remember him because that's what we did together. We played a board game quite quickly after he passed away, and um, you know it it hurt because it felt weird because it was like you know it was the classic there's a chair there that someone should be sitting in, um, that kind of feeling, and it wasn't very nice at the time, um, but it was a good healing process for us because it made us realise like yeah he's not here but we need to like sort of remember him for the good times and and everything else and. Um, yeah, I certainly don't want to remember the, you know, towards the end of his life because it wasn't very nice. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it's not, and that's being, you know, obviously light, light-hearted about it because it was, it was horrible. But um, yeah, I don't yeah. want to, I don't spend my time thinking about that because I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, but yeah, my plan is to be a bit more, you know, um, upbeat about this. Is that yeah, I will play some board games. I'm thinking of showing Haley some games to play when we get, if we get some time. Um, and yeah, just having a bit of fun, really, um, and a, and a, and um, be procrastinating for a good for a, procrastinating for a good reason, as I like to say, because um, I do I do think um, some procrastinating is good for the soul. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't have to be serious the whole time. Yeah. Um, how about you? What do you got planned? Uh, what do you usually what do you need, what do you usually do for Christmas with the family? Do you ever play any games or cards or <laughs> Monopoly or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a classic royal family type thing. Royal is in you know j- well, gym around, the te- around the telly. Not not bunkhouse, yeah. Yeah. But I'm gonna um uh I'm gonna sort of do a bit of cooking and uh, I used to do some mean. Uh, apple and raspberry uh, rhubarb crumbles. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna serve up that as my cool. sort of. Uh, um, yeah, nice. just playing just playing with my nephews, and uh, um, I think we're due, we're gonna go over to Pont Pont to my uncle's house at some stage. So there might be a bit of merriment there. I'm not sure what's going on exactly yet. 
So yeah, now that I've kind of oh, actually yeah, kind of that that is the point now that I mention that because of course this year I kind of started drinking again after my long hiatus, my sort of you know teetotal teetotalness. So um. Um, but that, when I say I've come, come back drinking, that doesn't mean I aim to get like bladded. Just to, you know. I yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, this is not extra special. It's an intervention uh, <laughs> for, for our friend Ricky. Who, uh, we need to stop, Ricky. Stop. <laughs> You're hurting yourself, Ricky. You need to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, go on. Sorry, I don't mean to joke When I uh, yeah, <laughs> perhaps I'm gonna drink away my sorrows like I mentioned. <laughs> oh, please don't. Um, Drink responsibly, kids. <laughs> yeah. um, so there'll be, yeah, might be a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, there might be, you know, if if I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's a good sort of, you know, like a, a like I say, what what is it with some films that they deserve the Christmas, but but then again, you love it for that. Yeah. I always I always have memories of watching The Great Escape or yeah. or Escape to Victory on Christmas Day. <laughs> And it's just how it goes, and you, and it, it seems like it wouldn't be Christmas without it. But I seem to like as well, which is a tradition in England. Does I like watching a Bond film on Christmas Day? I used to do yeah. that for a long time. I used to like watching a Bond film, but it depends. Yeah, it would have to now. be an old classic one. Yeah. Not, I don't really like the modern ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah, I would like a, probably like a Sean Connery one, maybe or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But um, um, but yeah, I used to like watching. Uh, because um, we used to have like maybe a couple sometimes I'd have a couple on like, and they were on sometimes be able to be on during the day just so. something very quickly on that because yeah. it was related to what we just talked about yeah. there was a, some some um, some um, psychologists and ex- experts got together recently and they decided that James Bond was an alcoholic <laughs> he probably is <laughs> well, well do you know he is in the novels well yeah but yeah. they never really expressed that did they and especially no. the, the early films so well um, we do I mean, he drinks a little bit more heavily than the Daniel Craig one in some of them, um, just in terms of he always seems to, like, um, not be more like... Because they did the whole, like, martini thing in the early ones, so it was kind of just, like, him being suave and sophisticated, when actually in the... in the um, Like, Casino Royale, the opening line in Casino Royale's book is, Bond lit his 50th cigarette of the day or something ridiculous, you know? So he was, like, kind of like, you know, like a... A heavy chain smoking, yeah. uh, you know, heavy drinking secret Womanizing. agent. Womanizing secret agent, yeah. So they keep some elements in, obviously, for film, but they think that's not appropriate. No, that, that's interesting, because what if in the future, and there's been talk about it, that, that James Bond becomes a woman, like is played by a woman? Mm. And would she follow the same traits, like going, going on a bender a little bit and then you go see, through... The- Going through a load of guys to, you know, get to where she wants and, you know... Potential, con- potential controversial thing I'm about to say here, but um, I really do sometimes struggle with the idea with this movement of that there has to be a polar opposites for it to be, like, sort of politically correct or, you know, have an equal rights for everybody because that's not, like, it doesn't mean you have to change every literature because... In that principle, to make it fair for men then, does that mean we change GNA to, like, Jimmy A.? You know, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, like change all fem- like female characters. I mean, just because there's less of them, then, then, we, then maybe we should change them to make them men. It doesn't make sense. It's all about context. So James Bond shouldn't be a woman because he's a man. Like, yeah. Doctor Who's different. I'm pleased <laughs> that they decided to do I was really for them having a female doctor. Because if he regenerates, in principle, it doesn't make sense for him to keep regenerating as a man. 
So mm-hmm. that's perfectly reasonable sense. But if it doesn't make sense and it was written like that to begin with, try and come up with the adaptations if you want. Because I know like even the uh, Elementary, which is the Sherlock Holmes series in America, has a female Doctor um, Sherlock Holmes, um, which Lucy Liu played by Lucy Liu. Um, or is it Watson, because it's called Elementary, maybe it's just Watson, I've not seen it, but I know that it is an adaptation and she plays a female version. So, anyway, so they've done that, which is fine, it's an adaptation, but it doesn't mean that we should stop having Sherlock Holmes being played by men, even though the, the most recent one with Will Ferrell looks ridiculous. Um, I don't know, have you seen the trailer for that? I don't know. Um, so it's like a new Sherlock uh, film, but it's like kind of a piss take. It's supposed to be a comedy, and Will Ferrell plays Sherlock and uh, Riley, Walt, uh, Will Riley, whatever I can't remember. I don't know the guy's name, but he was in like um, The Office in America, and he's friends with Will Ferrell, and he plays Doctor Watson, and it's basically like a piss take of Sherlock Holmes. It's not done seriously. It's done like in a kind of that they're um, they're sort of idiots, as far from what I can understand from the trailer. Um, so yeah, it looks ridiculous because I just think you know I like Sherlock Holmes and I like the books. I think they're masterpieces, and I just think. Well, uh, I think if there's not a if there's not a female James Bond, mm-hmm. there will be there will be some sort of female equivalent that you know they'll just call us something else. Just yeah, to, why not? Come up with yeah. come up with a new thing. Yeah, exactly. Why yeah. change like a why change a thing? Well, that because someone can't sit me. down and make a good female character. That that aspect doesn't worry me so much. What's mm. what's more interesting is whether she falls where she follows the same traits and I think there's more PC <laughs> there's gonna be a more PC argument over that. Like does she will she be would she is she is she basically gonna become a slag really to <laughs> if she's gonna like speak through a lot of men just, just to the end. Nah, she'll be a tea drinking um <laughs> a tea drinking teetotal <laughs> vegan. Um, who doesn't shoot anyone with her, like, she has, like, um, you know, I don't know, they'll come up with some super, stupid double standard thing, because what if I can make, like, I'm I'm joking here, because my point is, you can make a character anything, I think you can make a character anything you want if you're being serious about it, like, Uh if you're not taking the piss about something, and just, like, making a mockery of whatever genre or character you're doing, you can do whatever you want for any genre of character, any any character at all, if she, if if the woman wants to, if they want to make a character that makes sense for her to be a womanizer or using and taking advantage of being a woman, then go ahead, make it if if it makes sense and it's not. But this idea of people who go, I'm offended, therefore it shouldn't be made. Like I just said earlier about Sherlock Holmes, the film that just came out looks ridiculous, and I don't plan on going to see it because it looks like something I'm going to absolutely detest. But the idea that I ha- that because I don't like it, that I have a right to say, well. Because I love Sherlock Holmes, I'm going to like go out on the streets and say, you can't make this, it's an abomination that they've made something I have a problem with. I don't have a problem enough for it to like impact my life. So the idea, so they should, they should just make whatever they want without any restrictions, but the idea of changing something that works and changing it just because they want to make it equal is absolutely silly. Um, I, I do agree in the note. I mean, I, I'm like you. That you know, I, I'm not going to impose some sort of heavy set rule on on Hollywood or any other TV film studio that you can't do this because inevitably it's going to happen. But I just wish they'd leave some classics alone. Yeah, um, I do. You know, too, I, yeah. I as a kid growing up, my most favourite thing was the Transformers as merchandise. The cartoon. Oh, I loved it as well. The cartoon, you mean? I was, I was, I was in love with it. Yeah, the cartoon the genius. The only problem was in the 1980s, those those toys were so ridiculously expensive that we couldn't afford them. So it was like, you know, 
But when I went to see the first of those um, films starring Shia LaBeouf, is that oh, how yeah. you pronounce it? The Michael Bay ones, oh god. I mean, I wanted to actually throw up in the, in the actual <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, like, you threw your popcorn on the screen in the cinema, and it was like, oh, this, is, this is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really back. But I the time, but um, I mean, Funny, I'm so glad you said that. It's a weird coincidence because I saw I read an article yesterday just for fun, and it was actors who were saying like examples of actors over the like years who have like in interviews said don't go and see a film that they made, and apparently Shia LaBeouf for the second Transformers said it was garbage and you shouldn't go and see it. Um, for the second uh, Dark Side of the Moon, is it called? Didn't uh, Ewan McGregor say the same about the first um, Star Wars prequel? He said the first one they did was rubbish, but but come Maybe, watch it. Maybe, but I don't think he, I don't know if he was on that list. But there's a ton of them. There was a ton of them that I thought was really interesting. Sure like, you might have done. And there's been quite a few that have. Like there was a Mickey Rourke film that he did where he basically went, "I did this for the money. Don't go and see it." <laughs> Which is a typical Mickey Rourke <laughs> thing to say. I'll say this because I, you know, I I I do. I would hold my hands up when I when I'm wrong because I remember, um, you know when like um I used to, I used to remember do you remember you remember Lazio when they um about fifteen odd years ago when they had that ton of money and they just bought all the best players in the world and uh, the, the football club which you're yeah, to for those yeah. Donna. yeah and then they just somebody said and I agreed with them they just ran around like a like a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. yeah I used to say think the same thing with like films that when you do an all star cast. Basically, it's going to be a guaranteed rubbish one. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching like Copland in the in the in the in the in the nineties, and I watched it recently, and I actually was saying to myself, "What what what were you thinking?" Because it's actually a really good film. Mm-hmm. So Stallone, De Niro, Harvey Keitel, really a uh, real all star cast, but actually a decent film. But when I was reading up on it, I was surprised to learn because it was one of these roles where. You know, after, you know, like, Stallone was stereotyped after the Rocky films, and he wanted to do non-action, non-action sort of roles. And I thought <laughs> Copland was, I thought Copland was a really good effort, and he was really good in that, and he shows that he really can act. But then I read in the, in the aftermath, he said that was one of the worst films he did, because... I was going to say, I think that was on the list that I was just talking about. I think really? it was. Yeah, I think there was a quote of him saying that it, well, I don't necessarily, if you don't, I mean, he might not have thought it was a bad film, he just says, in the quote that I read, if it is Copland I'm thinking of, which I think it was, yeah. um, that he basically said it was just a nightmare to work on, that the people who worked on it were idiots, basically, so, um, you know, I think it's more yeah. case that he didn't enjoy working on it, rather than it might have been a bad yeah, film. Yeah, I would say it's actually one of his better performances, um, I would say, mm-hmm. I, I, I would take it that far. But then, you might be right, because he said after that, he couldn't get work, which is why he had to end up doing like Judge Dredd and and like a lot of other oh, I, I wish people never talk about that Judge Dredd adaptation because that Judge Dredd was one of my favourite comic books, and I was just like, I absolutely. I mean, it's okay, but it just isn't faithful to the Judge Dredd thing because one of them things where he takes his helmet off in the first minute of the film, which is what the whole point of Dredd is, he doesn't please take his helmet off. So you don't know who he is. Like, so this we just went, oh, we'll do the whole slow camera Stallone takes off his helmet. Um, ruined it in the first minute of the film. Like, um, and it's not the same as the people in it. There's so very few. I mean, I just watched another sequel called, talking about Stallone. I watched Creed 2 a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, how was that? Yeah. I, I really it? enjoyed it. I thought it was good. really good. Glad to hear uh, it. I liked the first one. One of the better ones than, you know, much better than the previous Rockies, a lot of them. But, um, 
One of my all-time favourite sequels, another one I saw recently, I don't know if you've seen Trainspotting 2 yet. I have not, no. That, I, I absolutely love. Oh, really? That's interesting. And I just think, it's 20 years after the original, and it was going to be a challenge. Um, and I remember going to see... I often think that when I when I walk away from a cinema, having... when I, when I th- If I'm thinking to myself, right, I'm going to have to go home and actually like re- replay this in my head and decide whether or not it's a good film. Well, I find myself, if I'm doing that, it's a good film, and that's what I did with Trainspotting 2, because I think it was just so cleverly done. It wasn't trying to mask or replicate the original. It was just done in a very sophisticated way. The 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 the, the, the characters, you know, like 20 years on, was done really well. Um, that's the reason because usually when you go like films take like 20 years to do a sequel you go well they maybe worked really hard on it to get it to be brilliant and then you see Dumb and Dumber and then you go oh my god they waited 20 years or something for that garbage of a script and it doesn't work and you know so and you know Anchorman 2 it took like a good bit of time to um, you know come out and it's like completely terrible compared to the original and Zoolander 2 there's like a whole bunch of sequels that are just think we'll make a bit part of a film and people will go and see it and probably people did for the first bit and then it just didn't like people just through word of mouth like I would have went to see Zoolander 2 if I'd heard it was good because I, like, I didn't mind the first one I thought it was quite funny and then I just everyone I'd ever knew who'd went to see it said it was absolute garbage and um, you know, don't 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 see Predator, pro Predator, the, really? Predator. the, 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 the last one, the one that just came out. It was absolutely atrocious. Oh, really? Yeah, that that disappoints me because I was hoping it would be good. I would say even the um, the the Halloween. Um, yeah. I remember oh, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, because that was with John Carpenter as well, who worked on the original. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't very good either. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's it's you know, you just well. accept it. it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. when, when I first heard about the the um, the Star Wars spin-offs, I was like, "Why? Why do you want to do that?" But then I would I would cast Rogue One as one as as like my favorite after New Hope because I think it's that. Uh, they're basically trying to do what Marvel are doing and make an individual um, films for different characters. That's essentially what they're trying to do, which makes so, some sort of sense. But um, but that's what I wanted to to talk about because you know um, for for those that um are interested, I did a tribute to Stan Lee in uh, Mentally Sound um show. Uh, was it uh, was it the one we just did, wasn't it? Because we never talked yeah. about it the one before. So yeah, I did a tribute to Stan Lee, and I think he's a great example of you don't need to do like Miss America. You know, I know there's some examples in Marvel Universe of them doing female versions of characters, but they come up with female characters they don't need to come up with. Like, so they come up with Elektra and Miss Ma- and Miss Marvel and you know, um, um, uh, Quake, uh, uh, you know, um, Black Widow, and I get, there's a, I'm sure I'll come up with a million of them if I just sit and think about it. But yeah, there's there's a, there's, a, there's a load of options. For female characters to be like wowed and, and and think about it in that way, so um, that's all you need to do is come up with a character that makes sense. You have that are on a par with every other with every other guy in 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 that universe. So why can't you do it in a real in a in a real sense um, in reality and on on you know in a real life example of a of a heroine uh, in 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 that sense. You don't need to have a Miss Captain America, you know, or a Miss Iron or Man or Iron or Woman. Yeah. Male version of Wonder Woman or something like that. Or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if they did that, they would say that, oh, look, you know, you, we can't have um, female roles for ourselves. And like, uh, like everyone wants just an open field. And I'm like, but it doesn't work like that because that's like kind of just denying that there isn't a male and female gender. 
They've had the that, was bit, that was a bit of hoo ha, wasn't it, when they did redid Ghostbusters using the, the four lasses? Um, yeah. This yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I said this one here. Yeah. What was your thoughts on What did you say? Sorry, I, I, I interrupted you. What was you? Well, I was, I was saying it wasn't it wasn't an issue at the time that really bugged me. Yeah. But what were your thoughts on it? Um, I talked about it on here with somebody, and um, my first reaction was, I was like, that sounds weird, and and but then I wasn't overly against it, because I went, if, if girls like it, then, you know, I guess stereotypically, or like I imagine families would go and take their children to see it, then I'm not really bothered. It doesn't mean that the first one didn't exist and meant a lot to me. It doesn't, it still means a lot to me. It's not going to, like, tarnish it. I guess I viewed it the same way as the Star Trek films that are out recently, in that... I don't prefer them, and they're not really my thing, but I'm not going to, like, you know, prepare the idea that they exist, because it's still Star Trek, but I'm always going to prefer sitting on Netflix and watching Voyager or Deep Space Nine or, or Next Generation, because that's the Star Trek that I prefer and is, and is more resonant with me. But again, it doesn't, go, it doesn't mean that if I don't like the idea that I sit here and go, well, how dare they? Uh, my opinion matters more than anyone. I want them to remove it from the schedule. I'm like, uh, my, my opinion isn't worth that much anyway. And if it was, then I'm perfectly entitled to be criticised. Because it's not it's not for anyone to go like, you know, you, you must have this, 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 and this. Um, I don't, don't agree with that. that I would say that the Star Wars franchise has took on really well because... From from the kind of male lead leads that they had in the original films, I mean, the, the, in the latest films, it's so it's, it's been cast, you know, to a strong female lead, isn't it? Like yeah, the, I like the Star Wars because the, 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 I really liked the idea what George Lucas did and got virtual unknown people to be all the main people. Yeah. I like that because um, it's making people, giving people careers and yeah, and giving people and showing like this generation of people can get like the mainstream roles. Um, George Lucas was great at that. Um, but yeah, anyway, I need to wrap this up because my, um, I think Moon has bottles too. So, um, but yeah, so that's but yeah, it's been our Christmas special. Just kind of talking about the Christmas period and talking about like an open and honest conversation about um, about um, mental health and dealing with it over the Christmas period. And um, hopefully, just the idea is that I think a good way of ending this podcast is to say to enjoy your Christmas holidays, to be open with the people around you, to um have as much fun as you can and be responsible and um, don't do anything too silly um, but we're not the bosses of you so you's, hopefully any, everyone listening to this is responsible awesome human beings who are going to do um, whatever they want within reason and not break the law and hurt anyone else <laughs> <laughs> and so if that's the case we wish you all a very very happy um, Xmas holiday the next episode of this is possibly going to be because we're going to do a review of mentally sound on the 28th which is on friday 12 till 2 p.m gmt time um on spice fm so as as of this recording we are doing that episode on the 28th which is this friday um so that will be probably released on here um as a special as well as as in on this podcast network and then on also Mentally Sound in a couple of weeks' time. So that'll be like a sort of wrap-up for Geek, because I'm obviously on that episode as well. It'll be a wrap-up of the whole year, really, because obviously Ricky's involved in this too. So um, so we're going to be on air from 12 to 2 p.m., wrapping up Mentally Sound, and I'll crowbar in a little bit of Geek Apocalypse probably as well. But um, 
Um, yeah, so exciting times. So we'll see Happy New Year on that episode. But that you all leaves me just to say, with this being Christmas Eve, is have a very happy Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas to you, Mr. Ricky. And um, to you, sir, and all the family, especially little Luna, is the yes, first Christmas. Thank you very much. Yeah, and to your family as well. Um, yeah, I hope everyone has as good Christmas cheer. Um, and has a toast and whatnot. Um, and obviously, feel free to listen to other episodes of our shows. We would really appreciate if you did that. Um, but whatever it takes you fancy, we just thank you for listening to this episode. And we'll end the podcast like we always end in the words of the group, B-Movie Robot Jocks, Crash and Burn. And we'll see you very soon for the last edition of Geek Apocalypse of 2018. But until then, thanks guys and Merry Christmas.